This episode coming up, um, we're going to be talking about films that I'm looking forward to this year, 2016. We're going to be talking about the great uh, Netflix documentary series, Making a Murderer. Um, And we're going to be talking about The Revenant. Um, Does Leo deserve the Oscar? Um, But before all of that, uh, let's listen to some 8-bit music, shall we? Yeah. in your ear holes it's it's up to you i have i have absolutely uh, no saying no stake in it either i mean um any time that you want to um listen to this uh, is okay with me um very few people actually listen to them so it's you know I, I can't be putting restrictions on um what people are when people are listening to it ultimately it's the right um i had an idea a pretty solid idea in my head of what i wanted to do for this particular um, podcast. I wanted to do uh, films I'm looking forward to this year um, because it is a new year, it's 2016. It's going to be a big year um, for for comic book kind of geeky movies. Those of us in la fraternité, le geek. Um, I mean, fraternity makes it seem male centric, which isn't necessarily the the best thing in the world. The 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 the, the, the brotherhood of of geek in the sense of the brotherhood of evil mutants. Mystique was in it. Um, Destiny was in it you know there's room for all genders uh, in a brotherhood anyway I'm getting off track Um, it's going to be a big year there's a lot of big films coming up um, a lot of big films to to get excited about and look forward to Um, so I was going to talk about them but then it all got a bit hijacked and a bit um, derailed somewhat because I saw a couple of things recently that I really want to talk about Um, but then I still kind of want to do so what I'm going to do um, is I've come up with, um, I'm just going to do it as a, as a top three. And this is something that I, I like the idea of, so I'm going to try and do it as much as possible. Um, just doing a, a few top threes um, dotted throughout um, my podcasts because they're fun. Um, they're fun things to do. Everyone loves a top three and you can debate them and you can disagree with me vehemently and, and hopefully you will. Um, and, you know, it promotes discussion. I don't know. Fuck it. Um, but rather than top three, um, it's going to be called Gold, Silver, Bronze. Um, and I even, for my sins, um, when most people are working and doing jobs and earning money, um, I, I was um, making a, a theme tune for it this morning. Um, bear in mind, I'm someone with little or no musical talent, little or no singing ability, uh, and yet I've done both here. Um, so you'll have to forgive me, but this is, um, uh, yeah, this is going to be the gold, silver, bronze for um, movies I'm most excited about seeing this year. Take it away, Dan. So that's a thing that you can't unhear uh, anymore. Um, apologies for, for infecting your um, brain with that with that audio sludge, but um, I'm only trying. Um, so yeah, gold, silver, bronze films. I'm looking forward to um, in 2016. It's a it's a difficult 
uh, one. I'm kicking off with a difficult one. I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm going to try not to to do any particularly easy ones. Do you know what I mean? It's only through challenging ourselves that we can hope to uh, achieve our dreams. Um, it's 2016, as with so many years, um, seemingly at the moment, is a bumper year um, for geeks um, and geekery. Um, it's uh, There's so many films coming out. It is a bit of a, a renaissance, which is wonderful. So it does make something like this, picking three of them, very difficult. Um, so I'm going to have some some honourable mentions, because um, this is my podcast, fuck it, who cares? Um, first one is Suicide Squad, um, which released another trailer uh, recently, um, scored to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Another great trailer. Both uh, of the trailers for that film have been um, uh, of the highest, highest quality, which they needed to be, because it's a very risky um, proposition, having the Suicide Squad, a very um, unusual um, tactic uh, uh, by Warner Brothers going with Suicide Squad before, um, you know, as the second one of their kind of world-building um, DC uh, movies after um, Batman vs Superman, which might get mentioned later. Um, but yeah, it's come out with a really uh, a couple of really good trailers, which have, I think have really sold it for for me and a lot of other people. It's come out with some great posters as well, um, one where each each of the Suicide Squad had a, a stylized kind of skull um, uh, attributed to them with various you know, attributes of them um, tied in, which I thought was a, a really, really good. It's always nice when, when you see an advertising campaign for a, for a film, try something different and do something different and not just do, oh, here's a trailer, here's some TV spots, here's a book, because we've seen that a million times. Let's, let's do something different. There's some amazing artists in the world doing some amazing work. Let's utilise it. Um, and let's let's get some amazing posters out of it, and they have, um, and hopefully they, they will sell lots of them because they they look very very cool. Um, speaking of advertising campaigns, though, it's you know you can't talk about cool advertising campaigns in this realm without talking about Deadpool. Um, I'm going to be talking about Deadpool at length next month. I say next month; it is February now. Um, so it's going to be this month. I'm going to be seeing it, obviously, Valentine's weekend with the wife. Nice romantic little getaway to see um, a hard-fighting, hard-swearing, um, uh, ultra-violent, fourth-wall-breaking superhero. Um, it's going to be something different. Uh, it's going to be funny. The advertising campaign, as I say, has been absolutely outrageous in terms of... Uh, again, it's they're just trying something different. They're, they're saying, right, well, what, maybe for the posters, maybe we do a poster that that's spoofing this film maybe we do um ryan reynolds has been releasing a lot of extra little bits like there was a little infographic that he released um he he said did a kind of a letter from deadpool saying that he was running for president and that one that he said he wasn't running for president just little things but it it, it all kind of builds up like advertising and, and kind of marketing for a film doesn't necessarily need to be oh let's see a trailer let's see a poster let's see a teaser let's see a teaser for a teaser like try something different. Let's let's you know muck around with it. And Deadpool's been doing that very very well, um, and hopefully building a lot of buzz. Um, that hopefully means a lot of people will go and go and see it because I, I do think it's going to be a very good film. I do think it's going to have a a wide um, appeal. Um, and so yeah, the kind of the better that does, the more chance that it's going to be more open up that kind of more mature. I say mature. It's going to be incredibly immature, but like very violent, very sweary, rated R um, in America or 18 um, by the BBFC. Um, just going to open up that world, I think, a little bit, hopefully, uh, if enough people go and see it. So if you're listening to this, 
absolutely go and see it. What the hell is wrong with you? Um, we've also got the next X-Men film, X-Men Apocalypse, um, which released a very good trailer um, again recently. Um, that looks very good. Oscar Isaac. I love Oscar Isaac. I, I would... I would leave my wife for Oscar Isaac. He's a, he's a, a, a very attractive, very talented man, and so I trust him um, to play Apocalypse. Even though he's kind of looked a little bit shitty so far, but um, the trailer was good, uh, and I, yeah, I reckon that's going to be very good. Doctor Strange is coming out this year, which we've heard absolutely nothing about. There've been some set photos of old Benedict Cumberbum, um, but nothing really, and I don't want to hear anything. I want to hear as little as possible about that um, uh, until uh, we get up to it. There's plenty more stuff to, to distract people with before then. Um, but I reckon kind of San Diego's going to have a lot of stuff with, with Doctor Strange. Hopefully a first trailer, that'd be nice. Um, and I think that those are all the big ones. Um, yeah, there are my honourable mentions. Jesus Christ, this is going on too long. It's supposed to be a short thing. Um, but so bronze, bronze um, films I'm looking forward to most uh, this year is Star Wars. Rogue One, it's the first, it's going to be the first of the, um, I don't know what they're referring to them as, I, I suppose expanded universe films. It's a, it's a Star Wars film that is not part of the the central storyline, uh, I suppose. So it's not a sequel to uh, Episode 7. Um, it's a standalone thing. I believe um, it's set somewhere around, um, somewhere after, somewhere just before Episode 4, I think. I, I assume... It will be the story of the people who went to get the Death Star plans that they then were able to put into R2 that we saw at the beginning of um, episode four. I don't really care um, what the story is. I'm just really, really looking forward to it. It's All that's been released about it so far has been a single picture, which looks badass, of just the crew just sitting on a thing. Um, and I, yeah, th- there's nothing to not look forward to about this um it's got a great cast it's got donnie yen it's got um felicity jones who's very very good um it's got alan tudyk it's got mads mickelson um and it's just gonna be a cool group of space faring people having adventures because i've always i've i mean I've, i've always been a big fan of star wars but i feel like i'm a much bigger fan of the world um, of Star Wars as opposed to any of the individual films. I think it's the world that, that really um, uh, captures a lot of people's imagination. Uh, and so this is something that I think that they should have done um, long ago, having stories that don't necessarily involve the Skywalkers bringing their family melodrama um, uh, across the galaxy. It's just something different. Uh, I don't want it to have any Jedi in it. I don't want it to, to have any real connection um, I don't want to see, oh, and it's our good friend, 3PO. It's our good friend, oh, like coming in as a... You don't need it. You don't need it. It's just, I want it to be a cool science fiction space film about a ragtag group of whatever doing the fun things. I think it's going to be very good. I think it's going to be fun. Um, it's directed by Gareth Edwards, um, who directed uh, Godzilla. And uh, Monsters, which if you haven't seen, is a very, very good film um, starring Scoot McNary, um, one of the best-named um, men in Hollywood. Um, that's a very good film as well. So, it's yeah, the pedigree, everybody associated with it, it's going to be a great film. Um, it's annoying that I have to wait until December to see it, but, um, yeah, I'm very, very much looking forward to that, and it's uh, I think it's going to be great. Silver-wise, uh, moving up, um, and... I, 
I think for most people this year, for most comic book fans, it's a, it's a fight between two. Um, there's two films that you're looking forward to most. Um, it's, it's the I suppose the, the tentpole offerings for each of the uh, the major studios, Marvel Studios and uh, and, and Warner Brothers. Um, and for me, the silver, controversially enough, is um, Civil War. Um, Captain America 3 Civil War, um, which looks like it's pretty much going to be Avengers 2.5. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, big fan of comics, big fan of films. And then when they just kind of co-mingle like that and just, just uh, those tentacles kind of reach out like Avatar ponytails... Um, I get very, very excited uh, in a very special place uh, within myself. My heart and my balls. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing film um, directed uh, by the Russo brothers, written by the same guys um, who wrote Civil War. So it's the same guys um, on both counts who who are behind Civil War, uh, who are behind, sorry, Winter Soldier, which was great. Um, It's got a lot of people in it which is maybe a little bit of a worry. I think that there's going to be some people who get a little bit of a short shrift, um, as is always going to be the case now. Now, when we get into these big kind of group films, there's always going to be people who are, who are a little bit left to the side. What I'm hoping is that it's, it's you know, the people don't mind being left to the side a little bit, because I, I think who, who wouldn't want to be a part of this? Like, who wouldn't want... Like, obviously, it's lovely to be in the main thing, but for... for a, an organisation like this that are creating such a huge world, such a huge kind of all-encompassing universe of different stories and different characters and people popping up all over the place. Like, I think Hulk's going to be showing up in, in Thor 3, Like, because why not? Um, I think it's just going to be... Yeah, like, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Um, I read an interview with, uh, with Paul Bettany, who said that he's absolutely over the moon to be Vision now, to be the Vision... Um, because a for him it's like guaranteed money um, because you very rarely have you know any kind of guarantees of you know that you're going to be making money as an actor um, after the you know the next year or whatever but for him it's like well, I've got I've got paychecks coming in for the next kind of five six years um, but also it's just being a part of something um, it's being part of a you know a, a much bigger story which I, I think can't help but be um, exciting it's one of the one of my favorite things about the marvel universe is that you know that you kind of going through a spider-man story and he needs a lawyer and then matt murdoch shows up you're like and then they they, always getting someone's getting razzled by this gang and they need to hire somebody as bodyguards and it's like oh my god it's luke cage um that's amazing that's super exciting um and the, the the idea of bringing that into the the cinematic universe as well is um yeah, very, very exciting indeed. Very, very exciting. Um, so yeah, Marvel Civil War, again, there's going to be a whole podcast dedicated to that because it's going to be amazing. I'm going to go and see it with the wife because I do think it's it's important to have some kind of level-headed rationality um, about um, these films um, to, to kind of counteract in some way my, my um, fanboy squealing. Um, so yeah, but that will be another one. But it's, it, yeah, it, it can't... I, I, have absolute unflinching confidence um, that it's going to be very good, um, which is a, a, a glorious feeling to have going into a cinema. Um, and then finally, gold, which obviously it has to be, um, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, which is coming out March, I think, something crazy, super, super soon. Um, 
but I'm looking forward to this. Maybe not necessarily for for the same for the same reason. Um, Batman versus Superman. I'm not 100% confident it's going to be a good film. Um, I'm fairly confident it's not going to be an amazing film. I think it'll be a watchable film. I think there'll be a lot going on. I think there'll be a lot of um, explosions and everything will look pretty. But I just think it's it's the criticism I've had as soon as they came out with the admittedly cool um, reveal at, uh, at Comic-Con. It feels like about 12 years ago now when... Um, What's his name? Lennox. Something Lennox? Harry Lennox? The guy with the the big jaw and the, the Kirk Douglas um, chin um, came out and read the bit from Dark Knight Returns. He's like, I want you to know in all these years that I was the one man that beat you. And then they have the Superman logo and then the Bat logo comes in behind it and everyone loses their shit. Which was understandable because it was an amazing thing. But then you think about it and you think, what... Um, I don't understand why they've gone all in with this. Um, I understand possibly that they're trying to avoid doing exactly what Marvel's done by just setting up all of these characters in, in separate things and then bringing them together for, for the for the Justice League. I, I On some level, I understand the motivation of that. But then I also think, just look at the amount of money that Marvel have made from these films. Like... There's no shame in just kind of dipping your toe a little bit into kind of stealing their stealing their stuff, because um, it means that you'll be able to build up your universe in the same way, build up your coffers in the same way. Um, but they said no, we're not going to set anything up. We've set up Superman, we've set up Lois Lane, we've set up um, Perry White. Is Jimmy Olsen in it? I can't even remember if Jimmy Olsen's in Man of Steel. Probably not. Um, so we've established three characters. So what we thought we'd do um, after that is we would uh, establish a couple more. So we'll establish Batman. We'll establish Alfred. We'll establish some kind of background with Robin, um, who apparently is, is has been killed by the Joker. Um, we're going to establish um, Lex Luthor. We're going to establish a Wonder Woman. Um, I think Cyborg shows up at some point in it. Maybe even Aquaman. There's so much going on in the thing, and then the trailer that ruined the the surprise that Doomsday is going to be in it. That they're going to take Zod and uh, turn him into Doomsday, which I do actually. Re- I mean, I really like that as an origin for Doomsday. I really like that. That is that is what has created him. Um, Either Doomsday or a Bizarro. I don't know. But yeah, I think that's a great origin, but I just think there's so much going on. If you're going to have Lex Luthor, like introduce Lex Luthor, introduce that he's, you know, that he hates Superman for whatever reason and that he genetically creates Doomsday out of General Zod and then have Superman fight Doomsday. Absolutely fine. Love that idea. Let's go for it. Let's have a big, you know, a, a big punchy thing like we did in the first one. Maybe let's let's steer it away from Metropolis a little bit. It's only just been rebuilt. Um, but I think that's a, that's a, a lovely basis for a film. But then they say, no, what we should do is we'll also throw in a million, a million other characters um, that we need to set up in, in the same amount of time. And let's just uh, let's just do that. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't like it, but I'm so fascinated. I cannot wait. To, I mean, they've got my money. Of course they've got my money. There's, there's no way that there's going to be a Batman and Superman film that I'm not going to go and see at the cinema. Um, 
But I'm just, I cannot wait to see what they do and how they do it. Because um, I think it might be really bad. I think it might be a, a real kind of clusterfuck. Um, but hopefully not. Fingers crossed not. Let's go with some positivity. Um, so gold, silver, bronze. Films I'm looking forward to in 2016. Bronze, Star Wars Rogue One. Silver, Captain America, uh, Civil War. And, number, uh, and gold, um, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Uh, let me know. So I'd, I'd cut that down a little bit, but I think at some point I'm going to have to create a, a shorter version of that because it's, it's, it's not the best. Um, but yeah, so this gets on to, after that very, very brief 20-minute discussion, um, that gets us on to, to the kind of the point of, of what I wanted to talk about and what slayed my, my Sunday afternoon. Um, so my, my good friend Rob, I was speaking to him on uh, Friday, Ask him how it's going, blah, 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 blah. and he mentioned that he was uh, that he'd he was watching a, a TV show um, called Making a Murderer. It was something that I'd heard of. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm fairly late to the party uh, on this, which hopefully means that a lot of people, if you're listening to this, hopefully you will have at least heard of it, if not seen it yourself. Um, I won't do any spoil. There'll be a spoiler bit, but I'm, I'm not going to spoil too much yet. Um, but yeah, he he said it's amazing. It's this documentary series. It's on Netflix. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Um, so I thought, fair enough. I'll go and do it um, on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Um, wife and I sitting wondering what to watch. I said, let's chuck on Making a Murderer. Um, it's been recommended. Think it could be good. We chuck it on. This was uh, so it's like a ten. It's a ten episode series. Each one's each episode's about an hour. So it's about ten hours worth of stuff. Um, and we chucked it on. Uh, about two o'clock, I think it was. It was about two o'clock. We started watching the first episode, um, and we finished watching the last episode at just before one o'clock um, in the morning. It did not let us go. Um, it is absolutely fascinating, absolutely gripping, um, terrifying, depressing, exhilarating, all kinds of things. It's 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 one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Um, in terms of the way that it that it kind of handles information and how it kind of delivers the information to you is very very clever. Um, the way that they kind of craft a story, because um, ultimately, I mean, it's, it's obviously very one sided, and it's you know it's, it's not going to be giving you every single piece of information that there is. It's going to be holding some things back in order to create some kind of narrative. But it's, I mean, basically the the, the premise of the thing, and it's one of the all time best pilots. Um, that I've ever seen because the, the the first episode essentially t- tells a whole story that you think you know th- that's a documentary in and of itself. It's a, it's an amazing um, uh, story. It's it's con- everything concerns this guy called Stephen Avery uh, who lives in Wisconsin um, and is a bit of a he's he's a bit of a troublemaker. Um, he's a bit thick. Um, and he has got into a few bits of trouble um, in his youth, but he's you know possibly straightened himself out, and he's got five kids by the age of 30, uh, 23 or something, so he obviously doesn't care about anything for himself. Um, and then he is, is a weird dick. Some woman starts kind of mouthing off about him, 
Um, and so he thinks that the best thing to do will be to get in his car, follow her while she's in her car, run her off the road, then get out of the car and point a gun at her. That's his logic. That's where he's that's where he's set. He's like, this is going to sort everything out, as as guns often do. You know, they often solve uh, a lot of problems that that you do have. And he thinks this is going to be the absolute. This is the best thing for me to do. Um, unfortunately, the woman who he alleges was was spreading rumors about him or something about having sex in the garden. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter. Um, she is cousins or something with somebody in the sheriff's department. So now the sheriff's department kind of maybe allegedly possibly have it in for Stephen Avery. Um, and so when uh, a, a young woman is attacked on the beach and sexually assaulted, um, there's lots of weird bits and pieces where it kind of seems like they're, they're really trying to force the woman to think that it is Stephen Avery because they want to fuck him up or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and so, but and she identifies him. He maintains his innocence all the way through. He says, "No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me." She says, "Yep, it was him. It was him, definitely." Um, and so he goes to prison, and he's in prison for eighteen years. Um, and then 18 years later and it's not spoiling too much uh, to say this because this is only this is the kind of the preamble this is what makes the pilot so so clever um he that they managed to find out his family kind of stick through with him all the way through and they're like no he's innocent he's innocent he's innocent they keep on trying to um you know bringing other people in and lawyers and whatnot trying to sort this thing out um and then it gets picked up by this charity in wisconsin that tries to free wrongly accused people. Um, and they do it. They manage to prove through the... Because science had developed to that point where they could prove that it wasn't him that did it. Um, and so he gets out of prison. And so he's been in prison for 18 years for a crime that he did not commit, which is horrifying because instantly your mind just goes back to... How old was I 18 years ago? I was... I was just starting secondary school 18 years ago. And that is like as far back as maybe the Victorian era. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to put a, a value on it. My memories are a little bit hazy of that time. Um, but I'm pretty sure my dad often wore a top hat. Um, and my mum wore a, a was it a bustle or something with a big wooden arse on the skirts. Anyway, ages ago, he's, he's in this prison for so long for, for something that he didn't do. Absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. He doesn't do... What you will see in in the first episode, if you do watch the first episode, is that he doesn't do himself... In my opinion... I don't know, it's not. You know, appearances and everything. But he does grow a fairly rapey beard um, whilst he's in prison. Um, shaves his head, but with a big, big kind of raper face beard... Um, which is maybe not the best thing in the world. But, they, yeah, they managed to prove that he's innocent and he gets out and he's super happy, super happy. And you think, oh, this is a lovely... You think, oh, maybe the the, the documentary series is going to be like a different... It's going to be about a different person each week or something or it's a different story each week of wrongful imprisonment or something. I don't know. Um, but then just a little sliver right at the end of the uh, first episode... Um, is uh, he gets accused of murder about a fortnight after he gets out of prison. And boom, they're like, right, okay, cool, credits. And you're 
what the hell is going on? And they do it in such a way, like through um, a telephone conversation um, that two police people have. Police people, policemen, I guess police officers have. And, um, and it's like, oh, do we have a body? Do we have a body? And she's like, no, 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 we don't have a body. And he's like, well, do we have Stephen Avery in custody, though? As if, like, we don't even need a body. We don't need anything. We just need that man in custody. And you're like, oh, shit, boy. They are they're gunning for him. And then the whole rest of the nine episodes is all about what happens next. And it is thrilling, engrossing. They drip feed you information. They hold things back from you. And it's it's very, very clever. And you should watch it. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It Yeah, it just... We were supposed... We had plans to go out and watch some stand-up last night. That didn't happen. Um, because it just kept on going. And it's that Netflix thing, that annoying, crafty, shitball Netflix thing, <coughs> where they, um, where you watch that episode and then it's just like, oh, the next one's just going to start in 20 seconds unless you do something. And you're like, I kind of want to watch another one, but I probably shouldn't. But it's, it's out of your hands. You feel like it's out of your hands. You feel like, well, the world wants me to watch another episode of this, so I'm going to watch another episode. Um, and we did that until then we took a break after like episode seven, walked the dog, had a bit of a discussion and then went right back into it. And it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, 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 an engrossing, a thoroughly uh, engrossing watch. I really want to talk about it in terms of spoilery stuff. So from now, um, if you, if you don't want to hear about, you don't want making a murderer to be spoiled, um, and obviously I don't know how long I'm going to be talking about this for, probably 45 minutes knowing me, but um, I'll do it through the magic of editing. Um, if you don't want to hear any spoilers, jump to 44 minutes 20, and then that'll be where the spoilers uh, end. So if you're at this point, if you're, if you're past the Rubicon here, then we're into spoiler territory, and you've watched it, or you... I'm going to assume that you've watched it. Um, fuck me. This is crazy. This is, it's it's one of those, like, documentaries are not things that I will generally seek out that often um, to watch because it's very rare that a documentary will be made about something good. Documentaries, the, the, the tagline for most documentaries isn't, isn't this great about the world? Most documentaries are all about, isn't this a thing that is terrible in the world? And potentially what's even worse is, here's a thing that is absolutely shitty, shitty, shitty about the world that you had no idea was this shitty. If you didn't have a great opinion of the world before before now, this is not going to help at all. Um, and this kind of does the same, uh, it, it, you know, it does what documentaries are wont to do, um, which is make you depressed about the state of the world. Um, so Stephen Avery... First, first off, um, and the, the, the family obviously kind of been victimised a little bit in the first instance. And as, as it went on, obviously they, they paint it very much like he's being attacked and he's being victimised and whatnot. As it goes on and you start thinking about the realities of the case, you think, like, did, did he do it? Did he do it? Did he not do it? Ultimately, I don't know whether he did it. And I don't really think, for the purposes of the documentary at least... Um, that that's what's the important thing. I think the important thing about the documentary is about how badly the the police went about it. As the, as the lawyers say, like these people weren't kind of falsifying evidence and, and planting evidence 
um, to, to frame an innocent man. They thought that he did it, and so they're just kind of trying to clarify, you know, trying to make sure that he, he doesn't get away with it. Um, and I, I, I do kind of feel like maybe that, that's, that's the thing, but it's just so shady and so blatant what they did um, that you just think, how the, how the fuck is this even a, a thing? How is this a thing? It, it, it's absolutely bizarre. Obviously, they planted the, the Toyota keys. That's, that's such an obvious point that their fucking lawyer, the, the fat guy who did the sexting with the, little, with the creepy kind of high register, okay, so we're going to talk about this. And I was like, oh, that's creepy, especially from a, from a hefty chap. Um, it, he, so much so that he even said when they're doing their kind of final summations and the other guy mentioned, oh, you know, this guy fucking, you know, he planted evidence, so what else is he capable of doing? Um, the guy says, well, you know, really, whether he planted the key isn't that important. You're like, are you nuts? Of course it's important. That's that's police officers breaking the law, willingly breaking the law. That's That makes the whole thing null and void. Um, I mean, ultimately... So they, so they did that. There's the, the whole debate about the blood and the blood vial. Like something's gone on with that. Of course, something's gone on with that because the thing was opened. The the thing had a like a hypodermic thing come out of it at the, at the top, the little hole in the lid. So obviously that's played a part in some way. Obviously something's gone on with that. It's just the whole thing with the EDTA and is that in it or is that not in it and if that's if the test comes about that it's in it then that's cut and dry if it comes back that it's not in it it still might be in it um, which is a shame that that didn't um, work out for them because that would have been fantastic that would have been wonderful um, but I just think I just think overall it's not a thing like if I was on the jury, I couldn't possibly convict him for murdering that woman just based on how the police went about what they did. Because you think, well, they've obviously planted the key. So how do I trust anything that's put in front of me? How can I trust what the police are saying? How can I trust how the police have gone about this in any way, shape or form? If I can be absolutely confident as I am that fucking Lenk the the guy who looked like one of the he fucking looked like the the um, principal from Back to the Future like this little kind of hard faced piece of shit um, he's obviously planted the key that's so that makes the rest of it null and void like ultimately their job is not to say did Stephen Avery do it their job as the jury is to say based on the evidence that you have seen in this courtroom do you, you know does that prove that he's he's done it and ultimately that's the thing and that's the thing that i'm not sure whether it differs from the the uk system to the us system because i know obviously in the uk system it's the case of you need to prove that this person did it beyond reasonable doubt so the idea that you know they they could think that avery probably did it and they'd still have to say not guilty it'd only be if they beyond reasonable doubt they knew that it was him based on the evidence that they'd seen in front of them. Um, 
And I just don't think you could have done it. I don't think you could have done it. Ultimately, this is just me ranting and just saying, why did they convict him? Because that would have solved everything. That would have solved everything. It's the, it's, the, it's the fucking jury, man. And especially when they said afterwards, and I don't know how they got the information, but on the first show of hands in the jury, it was like seven said that he was not guilty, two were undecided, and what would it be, three said that he was guilty. So what weak, spineless, piece-of-shit people are those seven that they allowed those three people to to poison their minds against it? It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, and it's obviously a huge shame that he's that he's in, in prison now. I mean, it's, it is and it isn't, because you think, ultimately, I don't know whether he did it. It seems unlikely that he did it, but then it also seems very unlikely that somebody else would have done it and had the foresight to put all the stuff on his property. That seems weird to me. Um, ultimately, if you're a police officer and you're desperate to get him and you think Stephen Avery's that much of a shitbird that you're going to falsify evidence and do all that kind of stuff, that you obviously, you know, to, to put him away because you think he's he's that bad that he, you know, he needs to be away, just, just, just give him a bit of rope. Just back off with this one. He'll probably do something again in the future. Um... I don't know. I don't really understand it, but it just, it just makes it yeah. It, it, as the as that lawyer, the was name Lynch or Munch or Krantz or I don't know something. The the guy with the oh, they all had glasses, didn't they? They're lawyers. Um, but the shorter one of the defense lawyers said that it's you know it, it shows him how how messed up the system is and how broken the system is really. Because um, you think you know you like to think that if somebody does a crime then they get put away if somebody's accused of a crime that you know they can defend themselves and they'll that you know that justice will be served but it, it seems as though it hasn't been in this case at least whether, as i say controversially enough whether he did it or not based on what the police did to put him away to to be so desperate to put him away i just think you can't convict him for that trial however um for me, the the saddest part of it all, the the most heartbreaking part of all of it, is um, Brendan. Is Brendan Dassey? Fuck me! That was the bit. Those are the bits that just absolutely got me. Just was so uncomfortable watching them squeezing the the a confession out of this poor little boy, and he is a little boy. Like he was sixteen at the time that all of this supposedly happened 16 at the time that he was questioned by those two guys on his own but you you need to hear him speak for for 20 seconds in which time he will say two and a half words um to know that he's you know as they all said and i feel sorry for him as well having to sit in court and he just people repeatedly say he's stupid he's retarded he's very slow he's educationally subnormal he's sen um I'm just sitting there like, oh, God. And that heartbreaking phone conversation that he had to his mum, and she was like, but you need to tell the truth. You know, you need to work out what's going on and tell the truth. And he's like, I can't because I'm stupid. And you're like, oh, Brendan, don't break my heart. Um, yeah, he's the, he's the fucking victim in all of this. I swear to God. i absolutely, absolutely unconfident in any way, shape, or form that he did any of the things that, that he is currently in prison for. Um, and just that, that, that it was in any way legal 
to have this one kid be interviewed intensely for like three and a half hours by um, two police officers who are really grilling him for three and a half... Like, if you grilled me for three and a half hours, I'd probably confess to some kind of murder just to get out of there because it was oh, an awful situation. Um, that that was legal. And because they were filming it. They were filming it... Because I would have thought that's like... That's a thing that you don't want filmed because you're being a complete dick. And you're f- clearly forcing this kid to commit to something that he hasn't... That he doesn't know what he wants you to say. You, there's so many instances in that video that you can almost see it in his face, like, what do you want me to say? Just say... Tell me what you want me to say, and I'll say it. But this whole thing of, like, what happened to her head? What happened to her head? Uh, he he uh, got punched in the head. Yeah, but what else happened to her head? Cut her hair off. Yeah, but what else happened? Put some earrings on it. What else happened to... Broke her nose. Uh, what else happened to... Put some makeup on it. What else happened to... Who fucking shot her in the head, Brendan? Who shot her in the head? You think that can't be legal. There can't be a situation where you show that footage in court in in a legal court and everyone goes well yeah that solves it doesn't it that solves it that says that that little boy is a killer because he fucking coerced it oh hideous absolutely heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking all the way through that he just didn't know what was going on had absolutely no idea and then he was saying that he's going to go back to i need to get back to school i'm just going to confess murder and then i need to get back to school oh and and they're like, well, no, we can't take you back to school because you've just confessed to an awful thing, so we've got to arrest you. And he's like, all right, okay, well, d- just for today, though, yeah? And then I'll go back to school tomorrow. And like, surely that is proof that this guy just doesn't know, has no comprehension of the situation that he's in, no comprehension of what he is confessing to or, or what the situation is or anything, the circumstances surrounding any of it. And that they would... And then he gets saddled with this fucking shit-ass lawyer who looks like the, the, the shysteriest piece of shit and just looked, seemed obviously awful, just awful at his job, that he was just throwing him under the bus so that he could be good for the, you know, buddy up to the, the people in the Stephen Avery case. Just absolutely deplorable. Um, and then even with all of that evidence in the last episode, with all of that evidence and all of these people fighting for him, they just say, yeah, we're not going to give him a retrial because even though the the confession was got out of something that is illegal, we're still going to let it stand. You think, how? How can you possibly say, right, we're going to get rid of the lawyer because he's bad for you, but the things that he did are still you know, absolutely fine and kosher? You think, what is wrong with it all? Mmm. I'm just, I'm drying up my throat. I'm that furious with this all. Um, But yeah, ultimately, amazing. How good was it? Absolutely top, top notch. Um, And super sad, super depressing, super heartbreaking. Um, That, yeah, Brendan. And I I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I, you know. I'm a little bit worried that they're feeding their prisoners a little bit too much because when he came back, he had he had piled on, he had piled on a few pounds, my friend. He was maybe that was once he'd 
once he didn't have the stress of holding all of that in, all of those monosyllabic retorts to what the uh, detectives were saying, he was able to put on weight again. Um, maybe. But, um, yeah, absolutely heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. And just for the for the parents as well, old Dolores, she just stayed by her son and the dad stayed with their son and showed up to absolutely every single hearing, every single trial, every single retrial, every appeal, every this, every that. It just, it just spent so much time doing all of this and they're still without their son and then without their, um, I don't know, great nephew, I guess. Just absolutely heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. It made me feel more than a, a lot of other things. It made me feel more than... I mean, maybe that's a nice segue. I don't know. Um, welcome um, uh, back, people who haven't seen um, Making a Murderer. Um, no more spoilers uh, from this point um, from me. It's just going to be... All I'm going to say again is it made me feel in a way that... Um, it, with an intensity that I haven't felt in some time. Um, it made me feel a lot more than the second big thing that I wanted to talk about, which was um, obviously we're getting towards Oscar season. or well, We're in Oscar season. We're in the, the, the height of Oscar season. Uh, nominations have come out, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so all the, the kind of the fancy films are coming out of the cinemas now, all of the all of the adapted from books and, you know, with foreign stuff and, you know, lots of period biopic various bits and pieces coming out of the cinema. Um, and so the wife and I joined a, a wonderful cinema um, called the SIF. Uh, well, we've joined SIF, which is the Seattle International Film Festival, which has two cinemas um, in Seattle, uh, both of which are lovely. Um, and if you're a member, then tickets are like $7 each, so less than a fiver um, uh, to, to go to the cinema, which is amazing. So we went to see The Big Short, which was great. Um, if you haven't seen that, absolutely go and see The Big Short. Um, even if you have no idea about economics, as I don't, um, it's a, a, a thoroughly, thoroughly interesting watch. Um, and again, pretty depressing, but funny along the way, in a way that making them <laughs> making a murderer, not so much with the laughs. Um, but it's uh, the other one that we went to see, we went to see on Saturday, um, The Revenant. Um, with old Leonardo DiCaprio, um, heard amazing things from almost everybody um, that we've spoken to. Every, every review online, it's got eight point whatever on IMDb. The Rotten Tomatoes is all over the place. Everybody loves this film. Everybody loves this film. So very excited. Went to see. Went to the uh, Egyptian Theatre in um, Capitol Hill uh, in Seattle, and um, didn't enjoy it at all. Didn't enjoy it in any way, shape or form. I say any way, shape or form. I did enjoy it. I did appreciate certain bits of it, certain parts of it. Um, but absolutely not to the degree that I that I wanted to. Or that I expected to, really. Um, I thought it was going to be a, a lot, lot better than it, than it actually was. Um, I'm not going to spoil too many things because ultimately the, the the story, you know, to spoil things is to say, oh, this happens at the end. But there's there's no real story, which is one of my big my big bugbears. I like to go to the cinema to see 
to, I, I like someone to tell me a story. I, I, that's for me. That's that's the point of cinema. Obviously, there's a lot of kind of artistic bits and pieces that like it's more about the feeling. It's more about the experience. It's more about the blah blah blah. And I can I can get on board with that to an extent. I can get on board with uh, a nice, quick, punchy, um, kind of stylish film that doesn't necessarily. It's a bit meandery. It's a bit kind of you know. It doesn't necessarily have a huge amount of plot going on. It's more of a character piece. Um, but as long as it still sells some kind of a story and it's an enjoyable ride, then yeah, you can get on board with that. That's fine. Um, but this was neither. This is this is an exercise in how how shitty can we make a character's life? Because um, I yeah again I don't think it's spoiling it to say that. It, so it's set in I don't know what year it's set. I don't know what kind of time it's set. But it seems like kind of beginning of America kind of time, early parts of America, so kind of very late 1700s, maybe early 1800s, I'd say. Um, and it's some fur, uh, fur trapping expedition goes wrong because of them Indians, them Native American Indians um, come along and they ransack a, a, a settlement or whatever, a group of people, a group of fur trappers um, who get whittled down to about 10 people, a group of 10 um, and then the guy who is leading them, or not leading them, the guy who is guiding them, I suppose, um, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio, who's kind of, you know, a tracker and he knows his way through the woods and he's got a wife, well, he had a wife, Native American wife, who's now dead, um, and but he has his son in the group uh, and so he's kind of leading them through. He knows how to get back to their fort. Um and he, unfortunately, as happens so often, I mean, it's it's just, it's almost cliche at this point, um, he gets attacked by a bear, um, which is awful, which is a hideous, brutal, brutal um, uh, example of, of cinema, of, of just one of the most one-sided fights um, that you are ever likely to see. And it, but a great, uh, very, very well done, very tense um, very grisly, no pun intended, without being particularly gory. Like, there's not a huge amount of blood flying about. He, the, the injuries that he sustains are gross, but um, it's more in the sound design. It's more in the acting. It's more in the... Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's it's more in the in the other stuff. There's not kind of oceans of red spurting out all over the place. He gets attacked by a bear and left for dead. Um... And then some unpleasantness happens. I mean, this is all in the trailer, isn't it? Yeah, it's all in the trailer, so I'm not... This isn't spoiling it. Um, and then Tom Hardy, um, who's great in this, uh, stabs his son to death and leaves him to die in a shallow grave. Again, hashtag Mondays, am I right? Um, and then it's... The whole film is Leonardo DiCaprio trying to get back to Tom Hardy to take revenge on him. Um, and that's about it. That's it. Um, and like I say, that is that is uh, story-ish. That's enough of a story, potentially. Um, I mean, a, a revenge story by its very nature generally doesn't have a lot of story to it. There's not a lot of intricacies to the plot in a, you know, in a death wish or in a uh, last house on the left. Is that the one? Or I spit on your grave. I don't know. One of the whichever one where the woman gets her revenge. 
um, or The Crow. That's a good revenge film as well. But they've all got extra little bits and pieces. They're all quite stylish and they're all quite punchy uh, as well. Whereas this film, this film, over two and a half hours long. Um, uh, it's one of my it's one of my bugbears when watching cinema when films are longer than they need to be. I think it's a it's a modern trend. I think it's something that films do far too often these days, where they will just keep going. It's, it's like they feel like well we've we you know we charge so much for the cinema these days that we've just got to give people more more film like more stuff to watch, um, and that bothers me hugely hugely. It really really I find it irksome. I really do. Um, I'm going to take a drink. It annoys me when, the, again, because it's not about telling a story at that point. It's about let's make a film. And I think that's that those are two different things and one of which I enjoy a lot more than I like um, the other. And this film, DiCaprio just gets put through so much. So much of the, the film is just him suffering. It's him being in hideous pain. It's him just dragging himself in agony across the ground. And I understand what they're trying to do with that. I understand that it's, you know, the, the, the more fucked up he is at the beginning, the more incredible his resilience when he overcomes that and he gets revenge or doesn't get revenge or whatever, you know, he makes his way at the end. But you just think, like, I, I don't, I get it. I get that he's jacked up, and that's absolutely fine. And but we, I don't need to, like you've convinced me. You've convinced me that he's he's really he's he's in a bad way. Let's move on. Let's have something else. Let's do something different. And it got to the point that there's there's like a kind of a, a subplot with Tom Hardy and a um, young guy from the group that he has with him, who's wrapped with guilt and blah 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 about leaving Leonardo DiCaprio. And that's really interesting. That's an interesting dynamic. It's two people who are, to some degree, having to rely on each other um, for survival, because obviously it's a very difficult time out there. Um, they're having to work with each other. They're having to exist with each other um, exclusively, all day, every day, all night, every night. Um, and yet there's this tension between them. I was like, this is really interesting. Very confident Tom Hardy, um, younger guy, racked with guilt. He probably resents Hardy a little bit, but then maybe respect him a little bit for being so kind of hard-nosed about the whole situation and looking out for his survival above anything else. And then you, and then they have a little snippet of that, and then you go back to Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's, oh, he's, he's eating a fish raw. Oh, that Leo, he's in a tough way, and his leg's all jacked up. And then he's doing this and he's got to hide from these people. And he's got to... I just was not interested in any way, shape or form. It really, really bored me um, uh, across the, the the second act, I suppose. Um, the middle of the film really, really, really bored me. Um, and I can't... I cannot understand. And I, I know that this is, a, this is something that, that happens quite a lot in... Um, cinema these days and in acting I suppose these days where people are very highly regarded and highly respected for putting themselves through stuff like Christian Bale will get all kinds of plaudits for losing a load of weight for The Machinist um, Matthew McConaughey will get a, a, a lot of respect for losing a lot of weight for Dallas Buyers Club 
um, in this film, everyone gets a lot of respect for, well, it was a really, you know, really shitty conditions and they were freezing all the time and they could only shoot for two hours a day and he has to eat raw fish and eat this raw animal and he, you know, he's caught hypothermia or whatever the fuck. But for me, that's not, that's not acting. Because the, the whole film is just him dragging himself over the ground and, and just... like I likened it when, when I was talking about it with my wife. Um, I remember watching an interview with Frank Miller, um, the comic book writer, who was talking about 300, which is adapted from a comic that he wrote. Um, and he's talking about the main character, Leonidas, who's played by Gerard Butler. This is Sparta, fuck! Um, in the film. And he says that it's, in, it's a weird comic to adapt into a film because in cinema, people love arcs. That's what people, that's what makes a good character, traditionally, is somebody is different at the end of the film than they are at the beginning. And they go through this big arc and it's this big kind of parabola thing and they learn this and they get better at this and blah, 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 blah. Whereas Leonidas, his character arc is just a straight line. It's just an arrow. I want to do this. I need to do this and I'm going to do it. Um, and that's that's it. 300, very, very stylish film. Very, very stylish film indeed. This film, not so much. And it's the same thing. He he wants revenge and he's in pain. That's it. That's it for two hours of the film. He's in pain and he's trying to drag himself along for because he wants to, to kill Tom Hardy. That's it. That's not a great that's not a great character. That's not a great performance for me. Don't understand. Like, I get that he'll win the Oscar. I understand that because he's been nominated a bunch of other times and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's won the Golden Globe and all of this kind of stuff. So he's going to win it. But I just think this, he's done so many other performances that are a lot better. Wolf of Wall Street, a lot better than this. Um, I don't know. Any of the, so, so many of the other ones he's done have been really, really good. I'd give it to, to him for fucking Calvin Candy um, from Django Unchained before I give it to him for this. Um, but it's, you know, he's, they, they suffered. And so that's, that makes it good. That make it good. Um, I think, um, yeah, so I don't understand it. And from what I've read in interviews and stuff, the director, Inuritu, um, who shot the whole thing in natural light for no reason. Oh, cause I want it to be realistic. I do, what, surely the whole point of cinema is to use the techniques and use lighting and use this and use all the all the tools at your disposal to create something that isn't real, to create some to to kind of trick people. It's the magic of cinema, isn't it? Um, you know, it's oh, in the same way in this film, when someone gets stabbed, they're not actually getting stabbed. That's a fake stab. But for me, because if you set it up well enough beforehand, I don't care that it's a fake stab. I know that it's a fake stab in my in my heart of hearts, but I don't care because I'm going along with the story. In the same way with this, it's like it, so if they used lights to to light it up a little bit more, who's I'm not going to be able to tell. I'm a, I'm a cinema go tweak it so that I, it looks exactly as it would if they didn't. That's the whole point of cinema. Um, having said that, some of the shots in it are absolutely gorgeous. That the, they have this uh, a lovely kind of juxtaposition between. Um, the kind of brutality of what's going on and the, the harshness uh, of the environment and the situations that these people find themselves in. Um, and then they'll just cut to an absolutely gorgeous landscape 
or a really nice kind of macro shot of there's one where it's a little plant but each leaf is encased in a big kind of bubble of ice absolutely gorgeous there's a there's a bit at night where there's lots of kind of long kind of tall trees like kind of prison bars i suppose um and all of the characters at the bottom kind of silhouetted and they've all got lanterns and stuff it absolutely looks absolutely gorgeous um and so in in that sense I, I kind of feel a little bit bad for for being so harsh about it um because there were aspects of it that i enjoyed but ultimately i think for me because i like to go on I, I like to keep things simple I like to go with a I like to go with a five star rating system or a five thing, five you know iPod, Darth Vader, swimming pool kind of thing. Um, if it's five things, five stars, let's go five stars. If it's five stars, it's amazing, really really good. Couldn't recommend it enough. AKA making a murderer, five on five, perfect. Um, four stars, it's really good, really really good, really enjoyed it. Um, it's not going to, you know, rock anybody's world. I think that can be a little bit more idiosyncratic, I suppose. I really liked it. Other people might not like it as much, but I really enjoyed it. Three stars. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was, you know, past the time. It kept me entertained. Three stars. Yep, fine, whatever. Two stars. I didn't really like it. It was, you know, I mean, I watched it, but it, you know, just didn't really do anything for me. One star, I didn't enjoy it, or I got bored. And if a film can't sustain itself, can't sustain my interest for its entire running time, then I have to give it a one. Have to give it a one. That's um, that's absolutely bottom line for me. Um, not that you care, you don't give a shit. But that's yeah, it's a it's a it's a one thing out of five for me. Um, yeah, didn't enjoy it. And I always I always think it's it's important if your opinion differs from the majority then it's in some ways more important that you speak out um to uh yeah just to kind of add your voice to the mix just to, to if other people don't like it as well that they can say yes uh, i didn't like it either um yeah because there's no there's no such thing as an objectively good film controversial i know um but that's that uh, I've rambled on for a, a long time now so um, I'm going to leave you but um, yeah thank you so much for listening hope you enjoyed it um, yeah I'm going to be coming back with um, uh, a Deadpool um, spoiler review um, sometime in Feb um, hopefully as soon after Valentine's weekend as possible that'd be good to get that out nice and quick um, come back and listen to that one but until then uh, enjoy your lives and uh, I'll, I'll, speaking, I'll be speaking at you again um, soon um, love you. Bye.